It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. This is your show host, Randy Fine, and today is Free Advice Friday, the day that I take your calls and answer your questions about narcissistic abuse or really anything else that's related. Um, If you'd like to call in, the number is 424-220-1801, I'm looking for callers. Um... You know, I don't get many callers on this show, and I don't understand why, but um, I'm going to start sending out um, memos (laughs) by email to you guys so that you will remember to think of a question and call in, (laughs) Uh, because I don't always know what I want to talk about, but I kind of do today. So um, I hope that you will call in. I want you to know... Excuse me, I'm hoarse today. I want you to know if I, um, if you don't already know, that I now have a mobile app, which you can access on your cell phone or tablet, and the app is called Narcissistic Abuse Awareness. It will put me right at your fingertips. You will have every new show that I do, every article that I publish. Everything that I'm up to, every interview, every YouTube video, it'll all be right there at your fingertips. And there's also an interactive quiz that you can take and uh, and get a score. So I hope that you will download my app. I would really appreciate that. And leave me a review for the app. Just let everyone know that you like it so that more people will want to download it. Let's see what else is going on. Hmm. Okay. So today I want to talk about parental alienation and child attachment problems. It seems that lately I have gotten many, many people coming to me who are suffering from parental alienation which means that they are or have divorced the narcissist and they have children. And the weapon that the narcissist uses to hurt them for leaving, because you don't leave a narcissist, you're their property, the weapon that they use is the children. And what they do is they brainwash the children against the loving, good parent, by telling them lies, by filling their head with all kinds of garbage about the other parent to make them absolutely hate that parent. Different children take it different ways. There's usually one child, probably the most sensitive of the children, that 
gets caught up in this web of deceit because the narcissistic parent uses guilt. And what they do is they say that they're very lonely, they're suffering because the other parent left them, they have nobody else, and they really need that child. And they also badmouth the other parent by saying that parent had affairs, that parent was not a good spouse, and whatever else they can manufacture to the point where the children feel very torn, but they are drawn closer to the narcissist because they already know that they have the loving parent's love. That's a given. But what they really want is the non-loving parent's love. So they're very easily swayed in that direction. And they will often throw away the good parent, which is absolutely torturous for them and for the good parent. If there's more than one child in a family, uh, the narcissist will usually target one at a time. Sometimes they just want one of the children because they know the other children are not easily manipulated. But what happens to the children, and even the ones who aren't completely taken over by the narcissist, what happens to the children is that they get mentally ill. The reason they get mentally ill is because they are, their heads are filled with such confusion such guilt that they lose all grip to reality. They cannot function. Often these kids attempt suicide or commit suicide. Often the good parent does the same. Because this is unbearable. It's unbearable for a parent who has put all their love, everything they had into raising these children. And now their children are saying, I hope you die. I wish you'd get hit by a truck. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Don't even contact me. And the other parent is completely helpless. The problem with this, and the reason it's so rampant, and it is rampant worldwide, because I have clients all over the world, and this is happening everywhere. It's not just a United States thing. It's a problem with our court system. Our court system is faulty in that it doesn't recognize narcissistic abuse whether it be in the spouse or the children. And the narcissist comes into court all shiny and bright, very charismatic, and convinces the judge that the other person has been an abuser. They've abused the children. 
they've left them, they've abandoned them, they make the other person look so bad, and the judge just looks at whoever is shiny and new, and that's usually the narcissist. The good parent is often very distressed, and they will break down in court. And then the judge looks at them and thinks they're their problem. Because the narcissist is calm and cool and collected. Family court judges are not trained to be family court judges. They have no education in child psychology, family psychology, nothing. They're just there making decisions and making very, very bad decisions. This is so epidemic So many people are suffering from this. It is absolutely tragic. And I have many clients who are. And it's the hardest thing that I do because there are no easy answers for this. And there's no guarantee these children are ever going to come back. And it's very hard to tell a parent that. So what I advise, and if you've watched my YouTube videos, you probably have seen the video about divorcing the narcissist. And in that, I discuss the reasons why it's very important that before you go, if you go, if you leave, just because you're frustrated and you can't take it anymore and you walk out the door, you're going to lose at least one child. At least one child. There are strategies that can be used before you actually get to that point. And what I say is never tell the narcissist that you plan on leaving or divorcing. Never say that in anger or frustration. Never say it at all, because if you do, that gives them a head start in strategy. The brainwashing that the children experience begins pretty much the day they're born. This narcissistic parent begins grooming that child the day that they're born. So these children are already affected dramatically, drastically by this subtle abuse that nobody is really seeing, not even the good parent often. So many people come to me and they say, um, speaking of their narcissistic spouse, he or she is really a good parent. I mean, I, I can say that. They haven't been a good spouse. They've cheated on me but they really are a good parent. They aren't even aware of what's been done to the children. But I guarantee that there's been a lot of damage. And so those children are very confused already, but they're functioning confused. You may have a child who has become very narcissistic in the family, a child who bullies. You may have a child who is so complacent and so pleasing that they're just totally, 
totally victims for the narcissist. They're, they're just prime for their narcissistic parent. You have children who are withdrawn as a result of this because they have been deprived of a self all through their growing years. And they're only as good as they're told they are by the narcissistic parent. The other parent, who in many cases is an enabling spouse to the narcissistic parent, is often seen as a loving person. The problem is that they're in survival mode just as the children are. Everyone is in their own corner, trying to survive this abuse and oppression that they don't even know exists for many, in many cases. But all they know is they're trying to survive. And they may not even know they're trying to survive, but that's what's happening. So the parent, who often is the enabling spouse can offer comfort and love to the children at times. But when push comes to shove, when the children really need that parent, that children is not going to be there for them. That children, the parent is going to align themselves with the narcissistic parent because that's how they survive. They cannot stay in this marriage, which they want to stay in because they want to keep the family together. So they cannot stay in this marriage if they align with the, ch- with the children. So the children are left on their own to fend for themselves. And when children fend for themselves, it's never good because they don't have the skills and tools to do that. Emotional, physical, psychological, they don't have the tools to fend for themselves to make their own decisions. They don't have the skills to deal with the life issues that present themselves all the time to them. Yet they have no counsel, no support, no advocate. So these children grow up And when they get to be adults, they don't have the tools they need to function as adults. And this is why so many children of narcissistic abuse never feel like they're grown up. 30, 40, 50, 60, they still don't feel like they're grown up. They're still children who have never grown up. They look like adults and they're functioning and they're trying to have relationships and they're trying to do what what should be normal at those, you know, at the adult level, but they're not doing it well. They're making poor choices. They're allowing themselves to be used and manipulated. So this is a just such a huge ball of wax, a hornet's nest. It's absolutely um, convoluted, confusing, confusing, tangled. And you wonder why you feel the way you do. You have every right to feel the way you do. So this parental alienation thing, 
the courts don't recognize that phrase, parental alienation. And in the psychological world, there is no such thing as parental alienation syndrome. I talk about it in my book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind. I devoted a chapter to this because it's so important. So if you go to court and you plead parental alienation syndrome or that the children are being alienated from you, the judge gets very angry and says, there's no such thing as that because the courts only recognize physical abuse. They don't recognize any form of emotional abuse. No form of it. So if you bring it before the judge, they dismiss it. They think it's a bunch of nonsense and a bunch of fluff. If you don't bring them pictures of bruises and hospitalization for physical injuries and tons of police reports where that person's been arrested, you can't even present the abuse. So this is a huge problem, and there are many movements out there because parents who are suffering and cannot get their children back feel like they have to do something. They have to make something good out of this horrible, horrible situation. So many parents are out there trying to make change things, to bring awareness to this, to make videos, to make movies. Um, The problem is that there have been people that have been doing this for 10 years or more, and nothing is changing. It's absolutely appalling. And I don't know what we're going to do to make these changes. And every time I get a new client that's suffering from it, My heart bleeds for that person because I know what the outcome is going to be. It's a long road, and it's a painful road. So when I say that it's important to talk with me before you leave or threaten to leave, the reason is because you must learn strategies ways to get to do this so that you protect your children and you protect yourself and you end up with a fair amount of what your a fair share of what you deserve what you're entitled to because when you're dealing with a narcissist and you go to court you're not going to get your share convoluted and you are not going to get what you deserve. Half of a business, half of a house. Now it all gets changed. So it's important to have the strategies to know what to do with your money, your credit cards, to know how to serve the the narcissist, your abuser, and not be around, and not have the children be around. So there's many things that I advise people on in this area before they go. Now, if you have threatened that you want a divorce or that you're leaving, and you've done it more than once, 
your abuser is not even paying any attention to you. Maybe they'll get nicer to try to keep you, but they don't believe you because you've already said you were going to do it and didn't do it. But what I can tell you is that if you are, if you have threatened divorce, take it off the table. Tell the, the abuser that you have changed your mind. You're not going to do this. You're in this for a lifetime. You're in this for the long haul. You want to throw them off. You don't want them to be prepared at all for what you're about to do. When I say this, I know those of you who are going through this, I know your stomach is tightening, your throat is tightening, you're gasping for air because how can you be this mean? This cut and dry with somebody who supposedly loves you and loves your children. How can you do this to someone? Well, when you understand who the narcissist is, then you don't have any other option. Narcissists, as I've said a million times, are nothing but parasites and predators. They're predators in that they choose their and groom them and then capture them and keep them hostage, which we, by the way, call relationships. But it's it's an emotional hostage situation. They prey on children, young, innocent children who are blank slates that they can mold into their toys for their use. They're parasites in that they must have their drug, which is narcissistic supply, that they're addicted to 24-7. To have it, they must have a guaranteed source. They may must have extra sources, which is why in marriages they all cheat in some way. They may not be going out and cheating, but they're online cheating. They're doing something because they have to have more than one supply. So children are, the way they grow their own supply, excuse me, spouses are emotional hostages, and they're predators in that, I mean, they're they're, uh, parasites, in that their entire agenda, they don't think like we do. They don't process things like we do. They have one drive, one drive that influences everything they do and say, and that drive is to get narcissistic supply and keep it and assure that they have it. So they must feed on people. They're feeding on people. It's the, it's the same as a, an insect that's a parasite whose entire agenda, entire life is based on finding a host to feed on, to get blood from. That is the narcissist. They are the mosquito. They are the tick. They have no 
other purpose than to do this. They starve for this. They must have it. So narcissistic supply is adoration, admiration, and attention. When they abuse you and you react, that's attention. When they hurt you and they can see it in your face, that's a reaction. And they enjoy that. They enjoy hurting you. It's entertainment. So know who these people are. And if you don't know who they are and you're still thinking that there's any chance that they're going to get be nice people, forget about it. There will be no... Um, friendly divorce. There'll be no joint decision-making. It's not going to be nice. So you can't be nice. You have to be shrewd. Or you're going to end up like many of the people that I see who left without a strategy, and now cannot get their children back. So I just want to put that out there for all of you who are in this position. I want you to understand this, really understand it. This is what I do. This is what I see. This is what I do day in and day out. This is is how it turns out. So if you are thinking about leaving your narcissist, you're not sure how to do it, you want a strategy, you need a way to protect your children and get them out of there, contact me and we'll talk about it. So this is a call-in show, 424-220-1801. I have no callers. I'm going to keep talking. Um, I would hope that you would call, but it's okay. I'll keep talking. I published an article yesterday in um, in my on my blog, which you can access again by my app, Narcissistic Abuse Awareness. You can go to my website. Any of the following, and I also put these articles up on my Facebook pages and my LinkedIn page. So every time I have a new article, it's you'll, you can find it very easily. But this article is called Raising Children, 10 Things Every Parent Should Know. And this is sort of in line with what I was talking about because it's important if you are in a marriage with a narcissist and you have children, it's important that you make sure these, are, these children are getting what they need. And if they are not getting what they need, you need to get them out when they're young, don't wait until they're older because this really blows up when they hit adolescence. It's not so bad when they're young. But when they hit 13, 14, 15, the whole thing blows up and it gets really bad. So if you have young children at, at home, these are the things I want you to look for. Or these are the things I want you to make sure your children are getting. So I use these with my daughter and my son, and they benefited from them tremendously. So these are tried and true. 
And my children thank me at every opportunity for doing this for them, knowing where I came from and knowing that I had pretty much zero chance of raising healthy children based on my past. So they thank me for doing this. So these are universal-given. They're God-given. They're spirit-given. I raise my children to be very healthy people, and I want you to do the same. So the first one is think before you speak. Your children are going to absorb every word you say, whether you think they're listening or not. Choose your words carefully, especially around young children. Children are like sponges. They learn from what they hear and see. What parents say and do becomes imprinted on a child's subconscious mind forever. Children believe everything you tell them. If you do not want your child using profanity, do not swear. Do not say hurtful or insulting things to your children in the heat of anger. You cannot take those hurtful words back. So think about how your child will interpret what you say before you say it. Dr. Phil says, for every insult or put down, it takes a thousand attaboys to undo it. That puts it into perspective. With all the potential our children have, we never want to pigeonhole them by name-calling or negative labeling. It is never worth the risk of compromising their burgeoning self-image. When a parent is hostile or angry toward his or her child or someone the child loves, the child will absorb the negative emotions, whether or not those emotions are directed at him or her. Those angry words reverberate inside of a child's impressionable young mind and create lifetime scars. Whether it seems like it or not, if your children are within, within earshot, they are listening to your every word. The second one is teach by example. I just want to go back and check. Okay. Um, teach by example. Your children will do as you do. If you yell, they will yell. If you hit, they will hit. If you make unhealthy choices, they will do the same. The most important influence in a child's life is her parents or guardians. Children idolize and trust their parents. They learn more from what their parents do than what their parents say. Children observe their parents' behavior, their values, their priorities, and then they mirror them. Those who parent with the motto, do as I say, not as I do, are completely kidding themselves. Have no doubt. Your children will do as you do. Now, Everyone loses control sometimes, now and then. But parents who always overreact, yell, or scream teach their children that it is acceptable to behave in this manner when things do not go their way. So instead of learning ways to cope with uncomfortable situations, they just do what their parents are doing because their parents don't know how to cope with uncomfortable situations. And they can't teach their children how to do it if they don't know how to do it. 
if children observe unhealthy interactions between their parents, such as hurtful words and physical violence, they receive the message that love hurts. They will repeat those patterns in their own adult relationships. Love hurts. Think of that. So every bad, tough relationship, they're going to stick with it because love is supposed to hurt. So model a healthy lifestyle for your children. Don't abuse alcohol or drugs, smoke or overeat. Your children are watching. Always lead by example. The next one is to be clear and consistent in your expectations. Children feel safe and secure when they know and understand their limits. The three most important rules in child discipline are consistency, fairness, and conviction. Without these rules, children will never learn to think for themselves or take responsibility for what they do. Though all children will test the limits, they feel most loved and secure when they know that those limits are reinforced. Denying discipline means depriving children of the tools they will need to get along in life. Every household should have logical and clearly established consequences for misbehavior that are known and understood by the children. Some parents rashly act out in anger using their power in an attempt to frighten their child into behaving but then they fail to follow through with a threat. Some parents punish randomly and inconsistently, and some parents make promises to their children in the moment just to pacify them and then renege or never bring those promises to fruition. These inconsistencies in parenting and discipline send mixed messages and are confusing to children. When parents do not follow through, children learn that they cannot trust and count on the word of their parents. That leads to behavioral problems inside and outside of the home, and later on in society. Parents are not perfect, and parenting is extremely difficult. But it is something that you must put all, it's the most important thing you could do is to raise a healthy human being. We all lose our temper from time to time. So if you unfairly lash out at your children, just apologize for your behavior. Assure them that your anger was about you, not about them. When you do this, your children learn that parents are human and that parents make mistakes. And they will learn how to show respect for others. Our goal as parents is to create a bond of trust with our children so that they can feel safe in this world. The fourth one is teach your child to develop clear emotional boundaries. Now, your children can't have clear emotional boundaries if you don't have them because it's up to you to teach them. Children should have a healthy sense of what is and what is not acceptable behavior to tolerate from others. Show them by example, by demonstrating the boundaries that exist between the two of you. Do not mesh with your child. 
more often than, than not, parents with healthy boundaries will raise children with healthy boundaries. It just goes naturally. To teach children how to respect themselves and others, respect must be shown to them, and I mean from a very young age. Physical boundaries, such as privacy in the bathroom, privacy when they dress, unwanted touching, and having their own bed in which to sleep are most easily taught by demonstration. When children are at an age where they can be alone for five or so minutes, teach them that when mom or dad goes to the bathroom, they will close the door because they need their privacy. And when the child goes to the bathroom, say, I am going to close the door to give you your privacy. I will be right here if you need me. Teach them to knock on closed doors before opening them by doing the same yourself. Every child should have a separate and unique identity within her family that she is loved, supported, and respected for. Let your children make decisions by giving them choices. Don't tell them what to do. Give them choices. Allow them to decide how they will share their personal things with others. Teach them to communicate their thoughts and feelings about what makes them uncomfortable, such as being touched or having to kiss someone they do not feel affectionate towards. Never make a child do that. Never burden children with adult issues or discuss them when they are listening. If children are anywhere in the vicinity, assume that they are listening. And this is really important in a narcissistic abusive home. As children go through the stages of separation on their way to adulthood, encourage their growth at each stage. Do not stunt them and do not allow their narcissistic parent to stunt them. Never make them feel guilty for growing up or or maturing and pulling away from you. Don't take their withdrawal from you personally. Our ultimate goal is to teach our children to be independent adults. Number five, be strong as steel for your children. Give them a secure, safe place to land when life hurts. This is not natural in a narcissistic abuse home. They don't have a secure, safe place to land when life hurts. They're floundering. And never let your children see you fall apart when they are the ones hurting. That is when they need you the most. When a child is hurting physically or emotionally, it is about him or her, not about the parent. It's not about you. If you fall apart every time your children are suffering, three things are going to happen. Your children will learn to bottle up their feelings so they will not hurt the parent. They will learn to hide all of their pain from their parents, which is not good because you want to know what your children are experiencing. And they will learn to put the needs of their parent before their own. This is the making of a codependent. And the codependence life is a very difficult one. We don't want to encourage this. 
Um, okay. Children should never feel more concerned or responsible for their parents than their parents are for them. Don't be needy with your children. Let your children know while showing them with your actions that you will always be there to support them in whatever they go through, no matter what. Your home should be a peaceful sanctuary for them, a place of love and trust, and a soft place to land in this harsh world. Children feel secure when they know that their parents can weather any storm. This is so important for for your children. Number six is be your child's greatest advocate. Put your own security, insecurities aside and stand up for your child's best interest. Put your own insecurities aside. If you don't like confrontation, so what? Your child needs you to stand up. There is a fine line between advocating and being overprotective, though. We should all encourage our children to handle their own issues when possible. But when their efforts are not effective... We must step in before things spin out of control. Bullies abound in a child's world. Bullies in school, bullies in friendships, cyber bullies. Bullies are masters of deception and can be very dangerous. The problem often escalates quickly. Your child may be goaded into retaliating and getting into trouble because they always the bully never gets in trouble. It's always the victim because they're the ones that retaliate. Stop the problem before it gets to that point. If the school administration will not help you, take action. Do whatever it takes to protect your child. Remove them from the school if you have to. It is every parent's responsibility to advocate and speak up for his or her child, whether comfortable with confrontation or not. The school system will not protect your children's safety or ensure their ability to learn in a non-hostile environment. There are many wonderful, encouraging teachers in the school system, but there are also teachers in every school who pick on students and are verbally abusive. These teachers may be sugar-sweet to your face and then turn around and verbally abuse your child or humiliate your child in the classroom. Listen to what your children tell you about their day at school. Ask questions. Be focused and informed when it comes to the specific needs of your children. Speak up and be persistent in managing their needs. Number seven. No, I don't want to do that. Number seven, encourage the development of your child's inner beauty. Teach your children to be kind, understanding, fair, and loving. These are attributes that are more admirable, durable, and lasting than outer beauty. True beauty does not lie in appearance. It lies in character. It is essential for your children's self-images that they do receive compliments for looking nice. Never deprive your children of hearing you say how beautiful or handsome they are. But just as importantly, never fail to acknowledge 
their beautiful inner qualities. Do not overfocus on the child's beauty and never tell your children that they are perfect. In fact, you should send a clear message that nobody is perfect and nobody needs to be perfect. Catch your child doing good things. Praise and reward children when they act out of kindness. Show compassion towards others and express love or forgiveness. Let them see you practicing what you preach. Show kindness, humility, and compassion inside and outside the home. Reward your children, but do not spoil them. Teach them gratitude to appreciate what they have and how to be giving to others. Teach them to respect the fact that every person is unique and important, never to judge people by their outer appearance. Accept your children for who they are, whatever their strengths or weaknesses, and encourage them to accept, be kind to, and love themselves. But you have to be a shining example of inner beauty yourself so you can model it for your child. Plant seeds of love, self-love and self-esteem in your child. Hear this one. If your children are not as successful as they can be in school, reinforce to them that they are smart regardless. Every child excels in some way. Academics may not be their strengths, but something else is. Accentuate their strengths and potential for success. They will eventually incorporate these truths into their self-image and rise to those heights. When I tell you this is tried and true, this is tested, absolutely tested. Um, Number six. Demonstrate faith and hope for your children. Give them a spiritual foundation, whether religious or not. It doesn't have to be religion. That is relatable to them and that they can interpret on their own. Don't force something on your children that they don't understand. This is an invaluable tool that they will rely on for the rest of their their life, one that helps them develop inner strength. We want them to have spiritual guidance, but we want them to have one that they can relate to. Allow them to experience some disappointments so that they develop the skills to deal with whatever challenges life may throw at them. This is Do this during the time where you're there to help them through it. Don't be a helicopter parent who tries to maintain control of every situ- situation by hovering. This type of parenting is very selfish. It is based on your fear and insecurity. And it is irresponsible because it results in the stunting of the development of the children's coping skills. Coping is a crucial skill that is learned and developed through the experiences of life's hard knocks. If children do not experience small-managed doses of disappointment along the way, they will never learn to cope in life. Parents are responsible for teaching their children the importance of faith and hope in learning to accept life's disappointments. Parents should use every opportunity to show their children how life has a way of working things out, that even though they may not always get what they want, 
what they end up with might be even better. It is our job as parents to open our children's eyes to all the possibilities that life has in store for them. We want them to always have hope for a better tomorrow, especially when they reach their emotionally charged teenage years and cannot imagine how much their life will change in the future. They think their problems that they have are insurmountable. They need to understand they have to have perspective as in problem-solving. Uh, number nine, be open, available, and non-reactive. If your children fear the reaction they will face when they tell you the, the truth, they're going to learn to lie. And when children lie, they are in danger of making bad decisions and succumbing to negative outside influences. Expect that your children will do things wrong and make mistakes. We all do. It does not mean your child is bad. It just reinforces the fact that children have a lot to learn. So when your child does something wrong, never tell the child that he or she is bad. Never compare the child's weaknesses to someone else's strengths. Remember, children believe what you say. If you tell them they are bad, they will be bad. If you tell them they are inferior, they will feel inferior. You can just say that you did not like what they did, how they acted, or the way they handled a situation, but always reinforce how much you love them. It is fine to say that you feel frustrated or angry, to tell them that, but it's not okay to fly off the handle. Losing control teaches your child that it is okay to resolve issues that way. It is important for parents to always keep the lines of communication open, to know who their children are and what they are doing. To accomplish this, parents should make a conscious decision never to show a negative reaction or act like they are uncomfortable when their children share feelings, tell, truth, tell the truth, or come to them with a problem, no matter how shocking what they say is. Because children, especially teenagers, will not talk to their parents if they have learned through previous experience that they will be subjected to anger, ridicule, ridicule lectures, or judgment, or that they're hurting their parent when they talk about these things. Do not react. The last thing we want them to do is repress their emotions or feel like they have to make a difficult decision on their own out of fear of what our reaction will be. As the primary figure of authority in our children's lives, we want to be respected and trusted, not feared. Never withdraw love. Your children need your support. Praise your children every time they tell you the truth. Talk openly and honestly about the reality of the issues they bring to you. Use them as teaching tools to help your children learn right from wrong and problem solve. There is no better way to protect your children than through a constant stream of open dialogue. And number 10, show vulnerability to your children. Share some of the mistakes you have made, past and present. Discuss the negative consequences of your choices. 
use examples that your children can accept, process, and understand at their level of maturity. If you share things that you did when you were younger, whether right or wrong, your children are going to relate to you better. They will find you more approachable. Knowing that their parents are not perfect takes the pressure off of them to be perfect. And children, unless you tell them, they think you're perfect. Sharing some of our mistakes is a great way to encourage our children to talk to us about what is going on in their lives and the lives of their friends. It makes it more comfortable for them to tell us about mistakes they have made but never shared. So as I said, this is a list that you can find on my blog, and it will be dated yesterday. Um, It will be dated August 13th. It's called Raising Children, 10 Things Every Parent Should Know. So you can go to randyfine.com, go to the blog, and you can copy this article or share it. You can go to my app, Narcissistic Abuse Awareness. And I'm going to put this up on YouTube, so it'll be there as well. But if you want to print it out, you can get it from my my blog, my website. So anyway, that's it for today. I hope I inspired you. These are, I used every one of these things with my children, and I cannot even begin to tell you how well they work. They worked unbelievably good, <laughs> unbelievably well. So, um, as I said, tried and true. We are done for today. Let me see what I have going on next week. Hmm, okay. I'm off on the 18th. I don't have anything on the 18th, which would be my next show. But, um, but I do have a show on the 21st, the 25th, the 28th. All great new inspirational topics. I'm really picky with what I choose. So check back and um, listen to the shows. I do the show every the second Friday of every month. The number will always be 424-220-1801. Get your questions together and call me. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye.